You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks. This is another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a little zen along the way. All right, this is going to be a really interesting and actually a little bit of a short episode. It's very cool. I got invited to go swim with the Magnolia Masters in the Woodlands, home of Ironman Texas. Woodlands, Texas, which is uh, northwest of Houston. I actually grew up in the Woodlands um, Evil Twin, which is uh, Kingwood, Texas, on the northeast side of town of Houston for many years and uh, grew up on swim teams there. So it was kind of neat to go over to the Woodlands and and uh, swim with the group. And it's a uh, triathlon swimming training camp that Tim Floyd puts on. And Tim Floyd is uh, renowned for, I don't know if I'd call it fixing, maybe it's fixing, uh, triathletes, <laughs> pro and elite and uh, age groupers uh, all the way through uh, to improve their swim or to greatly pr- improve uh, people's swim for triathlon. And a lot of people go there to train for um for, to improve their swim uh, in the triathlon off season, kind of like in the winter months, and it's in you know it's in Houston, so it's it's a um, it's a pretty good uh, outdoor training environment. So pros come down and train there, and then they can uh, do like a homestay with somebody and go biking and running around in a nice pleasant uh, environment especially because the woodlands is all like pine forest and bike trails and um, running trails. And it's, it's really nice. And it's actually pretty close to the Houston International Airport, Bush International, International Airport. So actually, speaking of that, my wife is flying through there actually right now on her way back from El Paso. <laughs> but anyway, Kai and I went down there to go hang out and... Just do like one swim practice and then uh, interview some of the uh, people that were there and also get some uh, swim tips from the coach, super coach to the superstars, Tim Floyd. All right, so we're going to talk with him a little bit with an interview and then also interview some of the other pros and elites that are there and get a little background on them. It's just a few. And then... I have, after that, uh, some tips that he gave me after he watched me swim some, which is really interesting. We didn't do like a major swim practice. It was actually like an easy swim practice, thank God, because uh, I already swam, I think, earlier that day or the day before, and uh, these guys are pretty epic. So let's, uh, let's swing on over to the pool, and I'm interviewing people. I think it's after we finish swimming. I grabbed my microphone and, um, and started uh, interviewing uh, people left and right. It's really cool. All right, here we go. All right, I'm here finally, finally. with Tim Floyd. 
I did one of your open water swims at, uh, do you do the Tortuga? Yeah, Snappy yeah. Tortuga. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At uh, Lake Conroe one time. Yeah, yeah. About killed me. Yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah, so. no, 5K, 2.5K, and uh, we have a 12.50. Yeah. So, yeah, just a little triangle course in, yeah. in, in yeah. Lake Conroe. Yeah, yeah with a, a inflatable, inflatable turtle at the end of it. Yep, exactly. You have to swim between the turtles or something? You have to swim between the turtles. Exactly. I've been there, I know. Yeah. Okay, this is the Magnolia Masters swim camp yeah i'm here at the tail end of it you're here at um, the, yeah we've got about a day and a half left right yeah and you're doing um morning and evening or afternoon practices yep so we go on we go an hour and a half in the morning and then uh we go an hour in the afternoon yeah so how did this get started and how long have you been doing it for? yeah so the the first one was in 2015 and it was when i was coaching a lot of pros and we just decided you know most of them needed help with their swim that was kind of where their weakness was so we just decided hey let's put a camp together we'll mm-hmm. come down in the beginning part of the season when you know you don't really have to do a lot of biking and running mm-hmm. and we can really just focus on the swim yeah. trying to get some uh improvements in what they were doing so what do you see because um, I've known about you coaching pros for a long time, yeah. and um, that seems like a specialty of yours. Of I don't know if you're fixing the pros, but a lot of pros don't have a swimming background, and you're like helping them out. Yeah. So what I, do you normally see that they're, they need yeah, to work on? I mean, so typically, you know, the the first camp we ever did was three weeks long, and it was long. I mean, it was long. I remember. Uh, you know, some of the guys were, we were all dragging at the end because yeah. I was coaching a lot. I was coaching at night too. So um, it was a lot of on, t- on deck time and just a lot of intensity. And um, But yeah, typically what I see with the pros is that if they don't come from a swimming background, they really don't know, they don't have a sense of what the guys that are swimming in the front pack in triathlon had to do to get to swim in the front pack in the yeah, triathlon. Right. Because a lot of those guys came from swimming backgrounds or they started, you know, in triathlon as, as a youth and came up and, and had everything that they needed in swimming to, to be in the front pack. Um, so a lot of times they just don't have a concept really of the amount of work, the amount of focused work yeah. how hard it has to be to right. improve. Right. You know, because a lot of times you'll see like, oh, we'll just go 10 400s, you know, for that the kind of traditional kind mm-hmm. of Ironman training swim. Mm-hmm. And everyone's kind of like, well, you know, just keep it aerobic. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, I don't know why my stroke's not getting better. I don't know they're why not I'm not. trying hard enough. They're just, you're just not swimming hard enough. Because I remember on swim team growing up, because I was on swim team since I was nine. Yeah. And um, it was brutal like you had to have help sometimes to get out of the pool without a doubt yeah (laughs) i mean i think a lot of age groupers don't know that because my perception is that you can work that hard in the pool yeah you can work that hard in the pool and the the biggest thing is it's learning how to be and this is actually a really tough thing it's learning how to be comfortable being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in the water and that could be kind of a threatening thing when you feel like you're right on the edge so you don't want to you know you don't want to have like a wave come in hit you in the mouth and swallow water because you're right on the edge so yeah it's it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable in the water yeah um yeah i mean a good example is uh patrick we were doing um some 25s the other day and uh he was going kind of 15 16 on the 25s and you know we just got him to focus a little bit more gave him a little kind of stroke correction Mm -hmm. on what to do Mm -hmm. and when he kind of really mentally engaged you were what 13 8 on the one 13 6 (laughs) so he knows yeah Yeah. um you know i mean that's a that's a monumental difference for a 25 yeah yeah and you know but if you think about that that if you know 
if you just go into practice then with that kind of mentality for every set that you do when you go into swim, yeah, and then you extend that over the course of a season, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're going to see some pretty significant gains by the end of the season. Now, right. the, the tough part is kind of training that mental focus that, you know, that drive in the water to, you know, really swim hard and be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I remember on swim teams, it would just burn in yeah. the shoulders so much. <laughs> yeah. But if you wait at the yeah. wall for a little bit, it'll go away and you yeah. can do it again. Yeah. But I think, yeah, a lot of people don't, that haven't been on a swim team don't know that. No, they don't. They start, getting, they start approaching that and then they back off yep. without um, going to that point. Yeah, because, you know, so much of basically kind of really good learning how to swim really well is, yeah, is, yeah it's technique, but you, you can't get the training without the technique. Yeah. You know, you can't get to the technique without the yeah. training. Yeah. It's not like they exist independent of one another. Let me, what's, what's her name? I didn't catch it yeah, again. Laura Matthews. Laura. Hello. Hello. Hi, I'm Brett. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> You're making a drink. What's in the drink? Um, just electrolytes. Just electrolytes? Some kind of noon or something like yeah. that? Yeah. So are you, uh, what kind of races do you do? I do 70.3s. Oh, okay. Yeah, I looked you up. I remember now. Yeah. Um, what's your best result so far? Um, I was fourth at Challenge Daytona um, in oh. December. Okay. And uh, why did you come to the swim camp? Um, I was a year-round swimmer growing up, and yeah. um, but when I started really focusing on the run and the bike, my swim got a lot worse. So I'm putting in a big swim block right now to yeah. try to get back. To so you're getting ahead of the season a little bit and catching up with swimming. So does that does that work in a way that like then you don't have to worry so much about the swim the rest of the season as much as you normally would? Um, because you spent time early on. I mean, I think it'll give me a good foundation for my swim but it's something that is going to take time to get back to where i was so you were a year-round swimmer what what was your specialty and time um 400 am the oh, mile wow. and the 500 wow okay so distance swimmer okay i'm always impressed by that i was a sprinter so well, what's your next race i'm doing 70.3 campeche in march oh, okay all right well thank you yeah thank you. have a good day so patrick nice to meet you i'm brett nice to meet you. Hi. So you're a 70.3 yeah, 70.3. and Ironman. I've done a, a few Ironmans, yeah. but mostly 70.3. Yeah. So what's your best result so far? Um, this year I had a fifth in Coeur d'Alene, 70.3. Okay. Um, Excellent. And 12th at Arizona. Oh, okay. Ironman. Why did you come to the swim camp? Uh, for me, I've never done anything like this, swimming this much volume, but more importantly, swimming hard repeatedly mm-hmm. with a coach on deck to tell you when things are kind of failing or going south yeah. versus just thinking about, you know, going harder or if you're by yourself, you kind of back off a little bit maybe. Yeah. So um, it was recommended to me and I thought it'd be a good experience. So is he a mean coach? Is no. he a classic swim coach where they scream at you no, and throw their coffee cup across I was the waiting, pool? I was waiting for, you know, some sassy comments or something like that. But he didn't throw never, a never kickboard happened. at you or anything? No, no. The worst thing that happened Man, is, he must uh, be getting soft, I think. Yeah. I think the worst thing is when you have to get out of the pool because you're you're stroke you're just too tired and you're not. Oh, you pull people out. Yeah, yeah? you're yeah. just like you're done. It's, yeah, you're done. It's hard on the. Email, oh, that's great. That's yeah, we didn't have that when I was on swim team. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I could have used that because I separated my shoulder. Or I uh, got a slap tear in my shoulder. Yeah, from swimming so much yeah. and too hard. Yeah. Coach could have pulled me out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your next race? Uh, probably Oceanside seventy. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're going to take on uh, Sanders going to do that one? Yeah, we'll, we'll start with them. Yeah. Well, you'll probably, <laughs> with this swim camp, you'll probably be ahead of the, That'd be good. you might be ahead of Lionel Yeah. on That'd the, um, 
on the swim at least. Yeah. I was and then he'll go by at like a thousand miles per hour and right, 500 yeah. watts on the bike. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You just get right behind him though and you'll be yeah. all right. Yeah. yeah. So. so you didn't have a swim background growing up? No, I, I started triathlon when I was 24 and uh, got in the pool and swam 25 yards and stopped at the other end and said, what the heck did I just get myself into? And yeah, it's really hard. And then for like, seriously, maybe the next four or five years, I just never took it serious. I avoided it because mm -hmm. it's such in your head, you tell yourself it's a small percentage of the race and you can overcome it. And to some degree in amateur racing, you can, mm -hmm. um, but in pro racing now with the legal draft distance, it's, it doesn't matter. There's no, you have no chance unless you're in a group. Yeah. So, um, like two years ago, I was like, I either have to focus on swimming or get out of the sport. And yeah. It was two years ago, two or three years ago, probably. Yeah. So it took me a few years. Um, I, I was a swimmer and a biker growing up and I didn't, I was a good runner, but I never really like did much of it. Yeah. So I, um, the run in triathlon was always my weakest yeah and getting passed constantly towards the end of the run like it's really yeah. demotivational and yeah, yeah. uh but eventually i fell in love with the run have you fallen in love with swimming yet well that's been a big thing i used to hate swimming and i used to tell myself i was a bad swimmer and that was a recipe for just like negative self-talk and not wanting to go to mm -hmm. the pool not wanting to to do the grind that you have to go through to, mm -hmm. to improve in swimming so it was a that was a huge mental side of it and once i kind of made the turn which really happens when you start seeing improvements mm -hmm. then you get excited about it yeah you go to the pool and then you don't stand on the start line at races looking around saying i'm the worst swimmer here yeah that's just you're gonna lose right yeah. away and uh yeah so from that I, yeah i guess i do i think it's when you start now. seeing improve you're right it's when yeah. you start seeing improvements in any sport all yeah. of a sudden you're like oh i i can actually do this right and, for sure and it's a big yeah. mental thing same thing with running you know uh the moment you have you, in a race, you finally run what you think you're capable of. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you cleared yeah. that barrier, and yeah. it's going to happen more easily every time. And then yeah. you set up another barrier to try yeah. to reach. You I think do swimming's the same way. So. You do coaching too, don't you? I do. Yeah. So yeah. what's your coaching uh, website? It's patrickbradycoaching.com. Yeah. What do you specialize in coaching? It's triathlon mostly, but I do individual sports stuff. I have some Cat One cyclists and some uh, pretty good runners and stuff like that. That's I coach a I've coached a few pro triathletes currently. I have one pro and a couple of elite amateurs that could race pro. So, yeah. Yeah. Ex excellent. Yeah. Well, it's nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to See meet you. Well. Thanks. And then there's Matthew. Yes. And you're an ITU racer? Or? Yes, sir. Trying to be. Trying to be? There. So yeah. what's, what do you have to do to, to – do you have to get a pro card? Or? You do, yeah. So there's a, there's a couple of different ways you can uh, qualify for your pro card. So I qualified at um, – an escape series race in Des Moines oh, yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah, I did um, one at Kima. So, okay, and yeah. you did too. Yeah, you, yeah. Or where'd Kai go? Oh, my son's around somewhere. He's right there. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That was his first um, ocean swim. Well, base one. Yeah, yeah, but so, yeah, Kima's yeah. rough waters. Yeah. So, Can uh, be, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, so I qualified as being one of the top three amateurs. Uh -huh. And you have to come within, I think, like 8% of the winner's mm -hmm. time. Um, so that's how I got mine. And then, yeah took uh took my pro card and did my first draft legal race in Santo Domingo mm -hmm. uh a couple of months later and did all right it was yeah. it's very different from non-draft racing yeah um the swim is much more important yeah. uh you, you know you have to make that swim pack otherwise your race is pretty yeah. much over you know I, there's a lot of it on on YouTube yeah yeah and I watch them come out of the water and if you're in that second pack if you're not with the first pack uh, you've got to overcome all that air resistance 
um, from the second pack to bridge to the exactly, first, and it's yeah. almost impossible yeah, because you, they're all drafting off of each other. Yeah, and yeah. they're a minute ahead or thirty seconds ahead exactly, or something. Yeah, the first pack will always work hard to keep whoever is behind them right. off. Right, because and there's some probably scary. There's probably runners some good there. runners in yeah. there, yeah. yeah. So the second pack, their whole thing is just, you know, let's work as hard as we can and try to bridge that gap. And yeah. um, it can be tough. You know, some guys will maybe not want to work as hard as others. So you do have to kind of, oh, yeah. you know, uh, yell Brownlee at yelling at people. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that That happens across the board with everyone. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't pull your weight, you, you might get called out. So the yelling at each other is actually because of nervousness about the, the other bike packs catching up, I guess. Yeah. With potential yeah, running be, threats and, yeah, or cycling threats. Exactly, yeah. Okay, it's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, fear of other guys catching up to you and then it's also you know no one wants to work harder than they have to especially when yeah. you're pulling other guys yeah. um so, so yeah tension. it was yeah it, yeah it was a big learning lesson for me mm -hmm. um it was definitely a good experience builder and um moved on uh took my off season and really tried to focus on the swim because that's my mm -hmm. my week sport out of the three and uh and then 2018 did a couple early season races yeah still wasn't quite where i wanted to be um so took the rest of the the season to really just kind of train through it yeah um and then uh just a couple months ago started working with um james peterson mm -hmm. who's the head coach at nor'easter try up in uh in boston mm -hmm. so he's been um helping me and getting me ready for this upcoming season so mm -hmm. uh we're looking at possibly sarasota um which is another cam tried draft legal race yeah. um but at the latest probably do richmond mm -hmm. um in like april or may mm -hmm. um so i'm looking forward to it it's yeah. it should be good i haven't raced in a while so i've got that that itch in me to kind yeah. of get back yeah, yeah. out there well, and, that's good because you know, then that'll carry you through the season when it, it starts to suck exactly yeah <laughs> yeah so i feel yeah. like i've been you know yeah. i feel like i've been training a lot and i'm, I'm ready, ready to, to kind of yeah down. see see what's see what it's all been going towards so, so. was there anything that uh coach uh, floyd over there told you that you need to work on in your swim did he point out anything um yeah i mean we've gone over a lot together um <laughs> you pointed out a lot of things. yeah i swimming was by far my weakest i the only experience i had with swimming before triathlon was just playing in the pool uh -huh. with my siblings so there was you know plenty of room for improvement um and so the biggest my, thing my brother used to older brother used to see how long he could shove me underwater and hold me there oh yeah so that i'm perfect for open water yeah uh, oh yeah it's i mean if you're not confident <laughs> in open water it's a very scary place to yeah. be and yeah. yeah that was a big thing for me was just kind of overcoming that uh that nervousness and and just learning that okay you know you're gonna be all right yeah. you just got to keep moving forward yeah. and you know you'll be out of the water and 10 15 minutes however long the race is and and then you're on land and you're safe so, um, um hey coach yeah. what do you do uh when you train him versus like uh, the iron man athletes as far as yeah i mean sets? So here would be the thing is that um at the end of the day uh -huh. uh, most of the time there's not enough time you know, because effectively, I mean, if you look at how a swim coach would look at a 750 through a 3.8K swim, mm -hmm. um, those would all be distance swimmers, yeah. you know. And if you're a swim coach with a distance swimmer, well, you typically, you know, if you're trying to basically compete at an elite level, they're training 20, 25 hours a week yeah. in swimming. Yeah. Um, you know, with the Ironman guys, we're looking at typically like 
you know, six to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the ITU guys, it's a little bit more, but not much. So you're looking at basically what do you do on half the amount of training that you'd normally have to train a distance swimmer? Yeah. And so and it's the same amount of time you said, like as an Ironman. So they're doing six to eight hours. Yeah. Is it, so is it more intensity and well, more time? Well, I mean, you know, the, in all honesty, none of them, none of them across the board from ITU to Ironman are doing enough swimming to be efficient as efficient as they could be right so it's all basically trying to be then as the coach as efficient as you can be with the time so yeah intensity's got to go up because you know if you look at traditionally swimming it's either a volume approach right or an intensity approach so it's kind of like the you know mark schubert mission viejo kind of Mm -hmm. school of thought or the dave salo Mm -hmm. um brent rushall usrpt school of thought right and so, you know, I've kind of settled on kind of a middle path between those um, where, you know, we go up and we do a lot of intensity at some points and then we come back down and, you know, just do a little bit more traditional swimming. So um, just to make it a little bit and then try to work on technique the whole time. So you, you've had to learn all the different strokes uh, as an adult. Sort of. I mean, I mostly stick to just freestyle and backstroke. <laughs> I mean, yeah. no one's swimming butterfly in yeah. the open water. Yeah. Um, so you don't do like, you don't mix in. No. You I can can't. do choice if they want to do butterfly. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. they want to. But, it, you know, again, if we are not in the water enough, mm-hmm. you know, and I understand kind of the, the thinking within swimming around, you know, hey, you're swimming 20, 25 hours a week. It's good to kind of mix it up, mm-hmm. balance out the stroke a little bit more. But if you're not in the water enough, to basically for the freestyle that you're doing to begin with. Okay. Um, why so would why would you kind of take time away from so working on start freestyle? with freestyle because that's what you're going to be racing. Yeah. Do right. as much of that as possible. Yeah. And the other strokes, like I find doing breaststroke is as I get close to a race yeah. is good because you're you're treading water yeah. waiting for the race to start and when they say go yeah if, if it's a deep water start then that acceleration off of that breaststroke kick in those first few strokes yep. is good yeah and then yeah. backstroke's good if you've been doing a lot of training because yeah. it's the exact opposite muscles to freestyle oh, okay yeah so you know you can sometimes get that pull on yeah. the front of the chest yeah. Yeah. um Shoulders. yeah and so one of the things if you do backstroke you can then kind of do the opposite direction yeah. opposite muscles the opposing muscles that. to that to kind of open yeah. things up a little bit yeah my brother was an excellent backstroker yeah. and he's older so they figured i'd be one too so i grew up racing backstroke and not as good <laughs> but you know coaches see yeah, yeah. somebody doing yeah, it yeah. and they're like oh he's got potential yep. they right. race you to death like, no, to without yeah. yeah well all right man okay so what was your next races again um Probably Richmond okay. in, in uh, April, yeah. but if I race before that, it'll be Sarasota in March. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. I'm ready to get back out there and, yeah. you know, see if I can duke it out with, with the big boys and yeah. go from there. So, so do you have a website or a um, Twitter handle no, or Instagram? I, Anybody can follow you? Yeah, you can follow me you're, on you're Instagram. your fan club. Yeah, on uh, <laughs> it's just Matthew underscore purchase. Uh-huh. Um, and then I, uh, I run a youth and junior triathlon team here oh. in the woodlands it's called a uh, mock five so okay. you can just look that up and um yeah i'm the head coach there and then michelle leblanc runs the uh oh, i thought you were from boston you're from the woodlands no no here? i'm from here okay. my coach just works out of boston oh, okay. um yeah. so yeah did you we ever hear uh, uh my son was on trinity i actually Multisport. coached your son in college station for a little bit okay. when he was on trinity yeah so uh i worked with him and a couple college buddies oh colin i heard you say colin yeah, yeah colin yeah. uh briley oh, yeah. um i can't remember the the other well that's cool younger boys but that's yeah it was, it was a 
good time. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah, he's grown up. Yeah, he has for sure. <laughs> I almost didn't recognize him. <laughs> I saw him. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. Good luck good talking to you. Thank All you. Right. Cool. Very cool. All right. So after that, Coach Floyd and I uh, talked for a little bit uh, on the pool deck and discussed some things. And then we went to a coffee shop, to a Starbucks around the corner, and had some chocolate chip cookies. And he showed me some uh, cool stuff, which I'll tell you about in a second. But uh, we were there with Kai. And uh, again, I really want to mention um, thank you to... uh, Coach Floyd for inviting me down, and this is a swim camp that he puts on in the winter. So, oh man, that was a loud ding. <laughs> so we have uh, people to. Um, if you have if you have people that want to go, then uh, look for his Magnolia Masters swim camp. It looks like he's doing it every winter, and also he runs a swim team and all that good stuff. So you can reach out to him. He's easy to find, and he also puts on uh, open water swim races in Lake Conroe and maybe some other places too. All right, he told me uh, three things that I wanted to tell everybody here. In swimming, the killer app is 100s on an interval, which is kind of cool because I do a version of that that I talk about already too much. Uh, But he has them do, let's say you're going to do 100s on a uh, 130. I think we were doing them on a one. The practice I was at, we did them like out on 140, and it was just easy, just swimming along at a 140. And and uh, but you're you finish at 130, and then or whatever it takes for you to finish, and you wait a few seconds, and then um, and then leave it, leaving on the 140 is what they call it. And that was really nice. And I don't know, I did like I'll say eight of those, something, but some some variety mixed in, and then did some other stuff. So I asked him what was the longest he has people swim and he said actually 100 yards <laughs> mostly except for like warm-ups we, we did some 200s and 300s and stuff like that but the killer app is to do 100s on an interval and the interval has you and you tighten down the interval over time and actually i found that that is one of my favorite things to do um you can really tell what kind of swim shape you're in and uh, for race day and then also it allows you to do overspeed so you get faster by going faster than you need to in a race and then you have this little bit of rest time you have like 10 seconds rest and then you do it again and then you can recover at the wall over and over and over again as you do these 100s going faster than your race pace and it works it works great and he said he likes to do big sets of that so 10 100s on a 130 you know, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, 10 100s on a 140, 10 100s on a 135, you know, uh, people start getting really fast. They start doing 10 100s on a 120 and 5 100s on a 115. It's good stuff. All right. Let's see. One interesting thing that he noticed about me was he said, did you used to swim a lot with a pool boy? And I was like, yeah, I did. The uh, years that I got, where I really focused in high school and then got faster faster, um, and built upper body strength, I did a lot of uh, swimming with pool boys. Our coach had us do it some, and then I did it even more because <laughs> it worked for me for sprinting because you're building a lot of just upper body strength to power through the water like a motorboat. And um, he said that he could tell that I let my, my uh, lower half, my legs kind of, 
kind of dangle behind me and not use them very much. And, and I said, well, what's the problem with that? And he said, it actually um, makes you kind of floppy in the water and makes you um, swim side to side, like snake through the water a little bit because you're, you're not engaging your, your um, abs and your legs as much. And engaging your abs and legs um, more, uh, of course, it'll make you faster you know, by kicking a little bit more, but um, it straightens you out. And it, it, in a weird way, it kind of like it provides a rudder for you to go straight. And the more time you spend swimming straight is the less time, is the faster you get because you're not swimming side to side uh, as much. And I was like, oh, cool. So that gave me something to work on was uh, working on kicking just a little bit more and not relaxing my legs so much. And then at the coffee shop that we went to, he pulled out this iPad and then this headband and he started talking to me about this flow app that he's been working with. And people need to reach out to him to uh, find out more about it because I don't want to take away from his, he's doing a lot of work with it. And it was really, really cool. He showed me, it's one of these headbands that you can measure your, your uh, brain waves. And when you're measuring your brain waves, you can do like a little bit of biofeedback and learn to calm down and kind of get into a flow state. And I think that's one of the reasons he invited me to go because to, um, to be there and swim because he knows I'm actually uh, kind of into this stuff. And when you're in a flow state, you're way more relaxed and less of your energy goes to thinking about things you don't need to think about and more into just being natural and relaxed. And, and he showed me the coolest graphs of elite athletes like a marathoner and, and some other people, uh, their heart rate and speed af before and after training with this thing. So they train with it, uh, not while working out, I think. You might be able to do it on the bike, maybe on the run while uh, on a treadmill or something like that. But anyway, or on a bike trainer. But anyway, you you train with it and learn to bring yourself into a flow state and be more relaxed. And then on race day or during workouts, you do the same thing that worked when you weren't training. And it works while you're training. And then you are burning less, fewer calories doing the wrong thing. And then that makes you more efficient going forward and makes you faster. And the graphs were incredible. His, uh, one athlete showed me his heart rate, um, was so much lower, like, like 15 beats lower at the same speed after training with this thing. And then he used it in a race and, uh, went way faster. Oh man, it was really, really neat. And after seeing that and hanging out with him, I started doing it in training. I've been like, okay, get relaxed, get into, um, get out of the fight or flight mode and get more into the rest and digest mentally and just relax, listen to some music and everything, let your heart rate come down, but keep your form, keep a good form, but just relax and relax and relax, but with good form and heart rate comes down you start, and you just kind of get in this flow and you do your workout and it becomes so wonderful. And I think yeah, uh, I've already recorded it, but I think at the end of this um, podcast, I mention it. I'm I'm uh, swimming, and I'm I'm uh, I think it's like the very next thing, and I'm done swimming, and I'm just like so relaxed because I did a meditative state, and it's kind of like flow state, 
a swim and it was just wonderful. So those were the three things. Uh, the 100, 100's on an interval. Um, don't do too much pool boy. Uh, work on your abs and your, your kick as well. And then um, try to get into a flow state and reach out to coach Tim Floyd and ask him about this flow app. Um, oh, the big application for it is um, golf, right? And triathlon is kind of like, uh, it's like breaking new ground to apply it to triathlon. It's pretty neat. All right. So that's it about Magnolia Masters. Let's hop on over to a very short training log in the end of the show. Here we go. All right, this is really a good swim episode. Leaving the pool on my way to W to the ERK. And just had a fantastic kind of meditative swim. Playing around with uh, some tips from Coach Floyd. Uh, There's the total immersion style, uh, which may work for a lot of people. I have a a little bit of asthma and I have a a slow turnover, so I need uh, more oxygen. (laughs) I guess, and the uh, average person, you know, if you have a slower turnover, you have long arms, which makes you for a slower turnover, then uh, you don't breathe as frequently. Like your breathing rate, number of breaths per minute actually slows down. And anyway, I found that I swim faster if I um, arch my back, push my chest down, but uh, push my uh, look forward more and that opens up my chest uh, kind of stretches me out probably, probably lifts my legs up a little bit and then also um, Tim Floyd said you know got to get on the surf get up on top of the water a lot of coaches say that which is kind of the opposite of total immersion uh, total immersion works really good you're kind of working to stay under the surface of the water and um, I was playing around with that back and forth just a tiny bit. Um, just a tiny bit because it stopped. I started having trouble breathing. Um, while I was swimming, I, I started doing the head down and, and uh, trying, to look, trying to look down. So the water would go more smoothly over the back of my head. And uh, started running out of air. I started slowing down um, and gasping for air a little bit. And wasn't able to swim as relaxed and as powerful and casually and glide. And so I went back to swimming, uh, facing facing forward a little bit, getting the upper body, the head, and shoulders on the surface of the water more. And all of a sudden, I'm zipping along again, picking out the pace. 123. One minute, 23 seconds, average pace per 100 yards. <laughs> For an hour, 59 minutes and 59 seconds. Ended up being 4,300 yards. Just smooth. Had uh, a couple people in my lane every once in a while. And, uh, I was just thinking, listening to Buddhist Geeks. And that's a pretty good podcast. And I'm going to post on Instagram the episode. Uh, it was 36 minutes in. It was really good like a mindset about being fixated on too too fixated on deep work and being locked into one thing when the reality is there isn't just one thing for long periods of time there's the one thing right now but then there's another thing and then there's another thing which is that is so zen 
the most important thing? This one thing. Okay. But then that what's the most important thing right now? Well, that's a different thing. Here goes an ambulance. Emily's out of town in El Paso, so I know it's not going for her. Anyway, that wraps up the episode. And I can tell I'm just like in a nice, uh, nice mood, nice, rested, even after I swam like that, because the breathing was just so nice. Uh, like we talked about with um, earlier in the episode about trying to get in the zone. I was kind of kind of doing that, kind of by accident, actually, now that I think about it. And, yeah, so if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm Zentrathlon on Instagram and on Twitter. I do most stuff by Instagram, and then I have it set to uh, repost to Twitter and to Facebook. I don't really do Facebook, but uh, there's that, and then there's the website, zentrathlon.com, and got a couple sponsors out there. We've got Salt Stick, got Amrita Bars, and we need to get um, Speedhound on. We've got their uh, compression legging things. It's really nice. Uh, Kai's been using them for, uh, he's running his ass off for uh, track, and I've had a lot of success lately with um, switching back to Adidas Ultra Boost, uh, but not just Instead of the Ultra, Ultra brand Escalantes, which are fantastic shoes, by the way. They are my favorite because they're super cushy and they're light. The thing is, is they don't have any arch support. This is what I figured out. Uh, my foot keeps hurting off and on pretty bad. And I notice that my foot's rolling in and I need arch support on my uh, right foot. And ST, Adidas Ultra Boost ST. Um... Uh, the ST stands for stability. So they have a built-up arch that keeps your foot from rolling in. And my right foot rolls in, and it, and it helps a ton. The problem is, is they're, they're heavy, man, for me, compared to what they could be. Put them on, and I just feel like, ugh. But then I run faster. So I don't know. You know, I guess the goal is to run faster and injury-free. So I got those going on. Uh, but the last, yeah, the last few runs have been uh, faster, injury-free, all because of that arch and I was really lucky I had a pair of these old ones just laying around and I threw them on and then went for a run and then I was like oh my god <laughs> I found another missing piece of the puzzle to fixing my uh, plantar fasciitis you know foot rolls in and then it pulls down on the arch and the tendon and starts pulling it apart and uh makes for heel pain and everything else like that it's no good and then uh let's see last night got on the bike to ride and i noticed i was sore i did a low cadence ride a couple of days ago before that so three days ago now and my legs were still sore so i did about 40 minutes and then just my numbers were good but i was just sore you know like it was painful and it wasn't fun and i was like oh that's a bad sign you don't want to do that uh, killed it off. That's a, a sign of maturity in triathlon is being able, you look for the, one is notice, knowing the signs that you don't need to train. And then the hard one for me and most people is, even if you know the signs, is um, doing the right thing.
you know, appropriate response to the Zen thing, which is uh, stopping. A lot of us see the signs that something hurts, like my right shoulder was hurting a little bit today. Swam anyway. (laughs) We'll see what happens. But uh, if, uh, you know, legs are sore, well, if your muscles are all banged up and sore, you're really not going to improve anything. They're still healing. It's not, it's not uh, all that smart. So there's two things. Take a break and then also don't go quite as hard as you did the last time. If it's going to make you sore, you know, still two, three days later. All right, that is it. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills. Cruise the downhills. Keep the rubber side down. Out.